from Alaska Public Media, this is State of Art. Welcome to the Weekend and to State of Art, your weekly dose of Anchorage Arts and Culture. I'm Ammon Swenson. I'm standing on the corner of 6th and A in front of Seed Lab, part of the Anchorage Museum across the street from the main facility. The black building is covered with murals and hosts a variety of events, programs, and artists in residence. I'm here to meet with Rebecca Potabom, Public Programs and Audience Development Manager, and Hank Davis, Marketing Manager, both with the Anchorage Museum and Seed Lab. Let's go in and find out more. I've come in here some nights and I've seen people spread out cleaning king salmon and learn learning how to clean salmon in the back room i've come in and there are people learning how to bust up firewood and there are like 20 people with axes chopping up firewood so i guess if you look at the the relationship between the museum obviously this is an anchorage museum space but seed lab really does kind of do its own thing of course there's a mission here and there are overarching guidelines you know i don't think rebecca's going to open this place up to have like random dance competitions, but that's nice. <laughs> but but yeah, there there seems to be kind of this room for flexibility and creativity, and it's a place where the museum can open up its doors to the community and say, hey, come be a part of some of the programming that we have going on. Coming from the public programming side, you know, we we like to enhance any exhibition that is on our walls with live events presentations, workshops, classes, right? And so C-Lab is a place that is, we're working on a different slate of programming themes. And so it's not necessarily tied to a seasonal aspect or a, an exhibition that is currently on our walls, but instead we're working on themes that have to do, that are very important to the museum and our mission at the museum, but kind of can take a, an experimental or kind of a different form. And so this is a space that we get to practice those parts of our mission. So things that are all about community building and community resilience resilience, wellness, healing, things that are really at the forefront of a lot of our our minds and our work now. But this becomes a space, but also a space to actually facilitate programming that has to do with that. But it's also a space that is responsive and receptive to ideas around those things. So through the conversations that we might have for a prescribed program, we get to listen to what people want to learn how to do, what people are thinking about, what they care about, what they're worrying about. And sometimes that actually begets another program or it opens itself to an invitation for that person to maybe host a class on something else. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like not necessarily a blank canvas, but the potential is you guys don't even know the potential at this point. It's kind of like what could pop into your inbox or something that could be a community need or something like that, right? But, you know, so it sounds like there's a revolving kind of various programs and stuff that'll come through for one-offs, but could you talk about some of the uh, the regular programs? A number of our recurring programs work on themes that are part of our mission, like reuse and repair workshops are every month, focusing on teaching a skill that maybe is not prevalent in everyone's, you know, toolbox, if you will. The repair and reuse workshops are, are part of this big culture of care kind of theme that through caring for our objects and thus repairing them, you're extending the lights with those objects, keeping them out of the landfill, but then you're also caring for yourself through, you know, darning your socks or repairing that chair 
And then thus actually by teaching this skill too, you're caring for your community and sharing in that. So you're likely to even share the skill after you learn it, right? And this all, you know, ties into our themes, our bigger picture themes that an undercurrent of a lot of the programming is about how we interact with our environment. How are we preparing for the future? So that repair workshop is part and parcel of that. They take variations on themes of textile repair to furniture and home item repair, or even just thinking about how we can rethink certain objects and turn them into a different use, keeping them out of the landfill or, you know, sharing and creativity and skill sharing. We have another program that is all about how we live where we live. It's called Urban Harvest, teaching traditional skills in our contemporary lifestyle. And like Hank mentioned, you know, firewood or actually things related to food is really a big part of those classes. But it's really when you think about where you live and you're you're paying attention to the ground because you're foraging and you learned a new thing, then you start noticing those things. You start noticing where you're around. You start noticing the weather and the patterns. You start noticing a lot of things tied to maybe just one little thing that you learn. I would say in respect to some of the programs that Rebecca's talking to here, Seed Lab is, in my observation, it's been a really great place to create a starting point for someone. Like there, there are people that come to every program that, you know, you might see someone and say, what are they doing here? We're going to talk about gardening. They don't look like a gardener. And then they start to speak up and maybe they're an expert gardener. And someone over here that I thought was going to be on the ball is learning from them the whole time. So it's really interesting to see groups come together and then you can kind of watch people really get that first exposure to whatever topic or subject or program we're talking about and know, okay, that some people come to, to multiple programs. They come to one and then you kind of watch them progress as they become more interested or more skillful or more knowledgeable. So two projects that I'm really excited about community resources, if you will. So the tool library at Seed Lab, it's uh, you can find it on our website. And so it works like just like a, a regular library. If you want a certain book, you take it a membership and then you check out that that book if it's available. Same thing with this library and that you can check out things, tools, even culinary tools like canners and juicers and a meat grinder and things like that, that uh, you might not either have space for, you might not have the resources to buy yourself, or actually you might not want to own it because you only use it once a year. We'll be starting up kind of a series of tool demos and skill shares. I'm hoping to open up like drop-in hours for people to pick up and drop off tools, but also that you can drop in and, you know, hey, have you ever used a power drill before? Okay, well, if you've never done it, why don't you, you know, get comfortable with it? But then also we just opened a podcast studio. So that is a room upstairs that is outfitted to be a very quiet space that has all the equipment that you need for your own conversation, your own podcast. Could we talk about the current artists in residence really quick? Would somebody want to mention them really fast? We have a number of artists that are working with us, but then a number of projects we're supporting behind the scenes. So if they're not physically located in the building, one of the longer term residents is Jimmy Reardon, who is, uh, you may have seen the Alaska Bookmobile around town. He is a prolific artist, but he is currently endeavoring a very long-term project digitizing Alaskan music. We have Julio O'Malley, who is a writer-in-residence and is hosting a number of writing workshops here in this space. Um, we're excited to work with Allison Warden about Inuit Futurism Center. 
that she has proposed. And so that sounds like an exciting project. Sequoia Hayes has just joined us for a low residency residency, if you will. So uh, how can interested parties get in touch and, you know, maybe shoot a proposal for uh, working with Seed Lab? Honestly, just send your proposal or send an email to seed at anchoragemuseum.org. That's a great way to get a hold of us. What's the best way for uh, just the general public to uh, keep up to date with what's going on and, yeah, all the various programs? All right, so if you go to our website, anchoragemuseum.org, there's a tab that says Visit, where folks can go to plan a visit. Underneath that, at the very top, there's a calendar, and on the calendar, there's a breakdown of everything the museum's got going on by department, and right on that list is Seed Lab. So, you know, at any given time, you click on that, and there's usually at least a month of programming out in advance on the website so folks can see what's coming up. And a lot of the times, it, it is when it's something really cool and people are really excited about it, but it takes, you know, some materials maybe for the workshop or the class. There, are, there is limited space, so I'm sure, as, as Rebecca would also echo, it's important to, to register for a class you're interested in so that we can kind of get a head, a head count and judge interest and make sure that there's enough of whatever materials needed for everyone. But, yeah, it's, it's check the calendar. Yeah, in a general sense, it might be hard to understand exactly what it is, but what's great about Seed Lab is that it's a place that hosts things, but as, like, any idea in general, it can morph and change and grow. And so this is an adaptable space. It's an experimental space, but we hope that the public finds a place for them here. That was Rebecca Potterbaum and Hank Davis of the Anchorage Museum talking about Seed Lab. Up next, we've got an episode of Indie Alaska featuring Anchorage artist Ted Kim. I feel like every time I start a new mural, like it's the first. There are definitely different obstacles that I'm having to kind of work around with every location being its own unique surface or environment. All right, I think I can live with it. With the Skinny Raven mural, it was a collaboration with uh, Ash Adams, a local photographer. I think I was out there day and night for about two weeks. It was pretty stressful because I really didn't know how it would turn out. And mainly because of the texture of the wall was just so rough. It's called stucco where it's like painting on Velcro. But what I found is, you know, I jumped into it and I felt like I could pull off the vision I had with what I was dealt with as far as challenges. Oh, man. You know, you spend X amount of hours doing that pattern, it eventually becomes like you're on autopilot or it's like a second nature where the effort that goes into it is less. The image itself, it was more about the land and the people, but we were using skateboarding as a way to express that. You know, I think I was three years old. My brother got a skateboard and I tried it out and it's just one of those things that, that it just felt so good. I realized all I wanted to do was skateboard. Just the whole process of like coming up with an idea and believing in something that you can do and then executing it or applying yourself to the idea. 
I think as soon as I got a hold of a video camera, it basically led to like the next two decades of a lot of filming. You go out filming with your friends, and as soon as you get home, you all crowd around a TV and you review the footage. It was something I found really enjoyable, and I think it's led to a lot of different things that I do. If there was one thing I had to like say skateboarding taught me most, is it just like how to look at things and how to, you know, just approach challenges in your life. I was 25 years old and just really confident on my skateboard. And just, you know, out of the blue, I blew out my left ACL and my knee. Oh! I could feel this heavy depression coming on, kind of a confusion with what do I do with myself. That's where I think I found drawing. I spent like literally a year drawing from the moment I wake up to going to sleep and then repeating it. It was taking my mind off of skateboarding, basically. My friend Jen had this zine she was making. It was a local punk zine called AK Inc. She asked me if I wanted to do a comic strip for the back cover of it. The comic strip was about a soda called Good Drink. And Good Drink basically just like wreak havoc as it got bigger and bigger and more popular. It kind of set the setting for what I would be drawing to this day. Moments where humanity is kind of getting through it and surviving. For me, drawing has protected me in so many ways. Now I see my daughter and she's drawing like all the time. I've said so many times to her like, please don't stop. You go through life and if you have it all or if you have nothing, it's like if you have something that you spend your time doing that you enjoy, you really don't need much else. A lot of people forget how short life is. What better way to spend it than doing what you enjoy? And that's all the time we have for you today. For links and more content, you can head to the State of Art page on alaskapublic.org. I'm Ammon Swenson. Thanks for listening. State of Art is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. Theme music is Spring Breakup by Termination Dust. Get in touch with the host by sending an email to soa at alaskapublic.org.